Welcome to Between the Shelves, the premier Sable Library podcast. I am your host, Alex, and this week I'm joined by Tori again. Hello. Hi, Tori. And we have a super special guest this week, Derek. Hi. Hi. How you doing? I'm good. Derek, you are our first guest on the podcast who is not a Sable Library employee. I'll tell you what, I'm feeling no pressure about <laughs> it at all. I'm feeling totally chill and nothing is riding on this. It isn't going to ruin the podcast at all. It, it may not decide whether or not we ever have another non-Sable <laughs> guest again. Don't worry You'll about that. You'll look back on it and go, no, we can't have another <laughs> Derek moment. That would be but a bad episode. You do have more podcasting experience than almost any of my other guests so yeah it should balance out hopefully yeah my husband and i have had a podcast since 2020 it was our little covid project you know when you can't talk to the rest of the world you talked into microphones and hope that people will listen so um i know a little bit about that yeah yeah and so our podcast is called a bite of and we basically take a bite of our favorite pieces of pop culture so we'll do movies or books or television shows whatever is sort of getting our interest at that point in time so you know, we've done a lot of Marvel stuff, and we've recently done some summertime movies, and so it's been a lot of fun. Nice. Derek's going to bring the professionalism to the podcast today. Okay, good, because this podcast is severely lacking in that. <laughs> well, if you're looking at me for professionalism, that's a no, for sure. So um, I'll try my best, though. I'm gonna, I should have worn a tie. I made it more professional. <laughs> Here the tie. So what is this podcast about? <laughs> what, about? What are we covering this week? It's about... One of Derek and I's favorite, Derek and my, one of our favorite things in the world, K-pop music. Yes, it's the K-pop episode or the, or the okay. K-pop cast. Haven't decided on a title yet. I like both. Do both. K-pop episode slash K-pop yes, cast? Yes, exactly. Yeah, when we can't decide how many things to put into a title of something, you just do it all. Mm-hmm. You just put a colon in there and it can be anything. More is more. More is more. Mm-hmm. More and more. That's a K-pop song. Oh, Sorry. it is. Oh, my God. Yeah. All right. We're getting ahead of ourselves. <laughs> We've already done plugs at the top of the episode. I have a question to start the episode for you, Alex, if yes. that's okay. Let's hear it. Uh, I think we're both curious to know what, going into this, before we tell you anything, what do you know about K-pop or what are some preconceptions that you have? K-pop. I know next to nothing about K-pop. Mm-hmm. So I'll, this is a learning experience for me, but I'm, I'm interested. Mm-hmm. I love Korean culture. I love Korean movies mm-hmm. in particular. Yeah. I know next to nothing about K-pop. I know BTS is a thing. That's a good start. That is. That's about worldwide as, phenomenon. That's about as far as it goes. Uh, that's I all did... you need to know. The episode's over. Goodbye, everyone. I had a great time. <laughs> Thanks for having I tried to watch a YouTube video today on the history of K-pop to prepare for this episode, but I was also uh, doing childcare at the same time, so I probably caught maybe five percent of that uh, that lesson. So I know next to nothing. This is going to be interesting. Well, you're in the room with a real-life K-pop historian no, sitting no. right next to me. <laughs> no, no. So let me ask both of you, what is K-pop? Well, mm. uh, K-pop stands for Korean pop music. It's, I guess you could call it a genre of music. Uh, of uh, More specifically than the genre, it's singing and dancing and music and fashion and interviews and playing games all in one musical genre and the people who are fans of it. That's, it's all of that. So it's more than music. Yes. Yeah. And I also think that it is in itself its own genre encompassing other genres, right? Because when we think of pop music here in the United States, I mean, I'm a, I'm a 90s kid. So I think Britney Spears, Christina Aguilera, Backstreet Boys, right? That very upbeat, high tempo music. But I feel like K-pop is so much more than that. You have that. You have girl groups. You have boy groups. But there's rock. There's rap. There's anything built into K-pop. The only commonality is 
usually that the people singing it and creating it are Korean. Okay. So it's, would you say it's more of like, a, not a lifestyle, but like there's a, a brand to K-pop? Oh, absolutely. Oh, 100%. I think being a K-pop stan, um, there's so much more that goes into it. I mean, the marketing that is put into these groups and the collectibles that exist because of these groups, it just goes beyond the t-shirt. You know, there's t-shirts, there's light sticks, there's, I'm getting ahead of myself, but there's photo cards, there's tons and tons of stuff that goes along with being a K-pop stan, especially of a particular group. So how does it, you've already talked about it a little bit, um, how does it differ from what we know of as Western pop music? So you mentioned the Backstreet Boys and and Britney Spears and things like that, and that's kind of uh, a K-pop noob. Uh, That's my perspective. It seems like just that, but in Korea. I think it's kind of that, but in Korea. I would say um, there's not as much of a difference between Western pop and K-pop as you would think. Um, There's things that are specific to it, like um, the training process that the performers go through, um, the way that they work for their companies, and sort of the fan culture of it that seem unique to K-pop. And the music is, at this point, pretty heavily Western music-inspired. Like, it follows similar trends. Um, but I think it's really regular Western, quote unquote, regular Western pop has all of those things. We just don't acknowledge it. Mm. They have the similar training process and the way they're selected. We just don't talk about it. Like the members of NSYNC were all selected to be in that group. The members of One Direction were all selected to be in that group. And then they were formed with an image. And that happens a lot in K-pop, but it also happens here. It's just uh, not in the forefront the way that it is in K-pop. So there's differences in the way that um, it's presented more than actually within the music. Right. So in the K-pop genre, they start very young when they start assembling these groups, like like middle school age, basically, which, Mm -hmm. you know, I guess the equivalent would be, uh, what's the Disney one here um, that like Ryan Gosling was in? Oh, Mickey Mouse Club. Mickey Mouse Club. Or like Hannah Montana. Sure. Oh, no, because I was going to say, Miley Cyrus just did an interview where she talked about her schedule as like an oh, yeah. 11-year-old, and it was the most upsetting thing I've heard in my life. It was all weekend. Yes. It was like she would start at 6 a.m. She wouldn't stop until like 10 o'clock at night. And then and, she would film the next day. Yeah. So the same thing is happening in K-pop. It's just people uh, are more aware of it. I know in, in K-pop, there's like K-pop hip-hop, and there's K-pop like boy bands and things like that. Is... Is, the, is it interesting? I mean, it's interesting because it seems like they're almost in like what Western pop was in the 90s, but today, like to the nth degree. Is that like a fair way of thinking about it? Or is it something else than what I grew up with thinking like, okay, the Backstreet Boys, NSYNC, stuff like that. It's, is it sort of like that or is it has it become something else? I think it is similar to it in the sense that here you are given a packaged group, right? And I don't know if you remember, there was this fake boy band that ended up becoming a real boy band here in America. It was called Together. And in Together, there was the young one, the old one, the dancer, the tough guy, whatever. They all had like a little archetype. Mm -hmm. And those things sort of do still fit in in K-pop as well. When you're looking at a group, there's the maknae, which is the youngest of the group. There's the leader of the group, the one that's sort of elected to 
you know, just be the forefront and speak for the group at award shows and things like that. So I think those similarities are there. And I think that's one of the things that draws me so much to K-pop because I am my, did you hear my Queen's accent? That was the most wild. Because. because <laughs> um, that's what happens when you grow up with an Italian mother in Queens, New York. Um, because those things exist, I think that's why I'm so drawn to it. Like I was really having a think before coming on here today going like, why do I love K-pop so much? Obviously, I'm such a fan of like hyper pop music, but I think like my favorite group growing up was the Spice Girls, right? So it's five very different girls that come together to create a world phenomenon, you know, and you have scary, sporty, posh, ginger, baby, the five of them. And I just love that equation that makes a pop group with pop music. And so that similarity, I think, is what draws me so much to it. And so that is there. But again, but in K-pop, you do have solo artists as well. You have people that start in a group and then go on their own. Very much a Beyonce moment. So there are definitely those similarities there. What do you think, Tori? I know that there are similarities because um, one of the... Uh, there's a guy who used to be in charge of a K-pop company, uh, and he began his career in the 90s as uh, like an artist. He, he was in a group, um, and he created the first idol group. Uh, K-pop performers are called idols, and he created it because he saw the success of NSYNC and the Backstreet Boys and things like that and was inspired and was like, oh, you can make a group and people will still be into it rather than more organic ways mm-hmm. of uh coming to success and that's how the entire k-pop system began is he saw that work and wanted to create it there and it and sure it did work yeah it seems almost like something split in the 90s where korea kept on where pop music was in the 90s in the west and then america kind of you know grunge music happened and then you know gangster rap and hip-hop and everything kind of became the more popular genre and it sort of diverged, it seems like. And then Korea has their own cultural and political environments that probably s- suppressed some of those grungier elements from becoming popular. And they kind of groomed these K-pop groups, these boy band groups, to become, it seems like to me, continued that trend of, of like the popular music. Perfected it even. Although I would like to, to clarify, even though it's called K-pop music, similar to Western pop music... It's not, K-pop is not necessarily like, this is the main music that everyone in Korea listens to. Mm. It's really a thing there for young people, like a lot of teens, people in their 20s. Um, And there's like regular music, there's ballads, there's a genre called trot, which is sort of their own folk music type of thing. Um, There's grunge and rock and like, they have all of the same different genres as us, but the one that has caught the world's attention because of the way that they perfected the boy band, the girl band, is K-pop. But but they do have all the other kind of music as well. Well, I, I, I remember from one of your history lessons that I've been lucky enough to hear that really before Sautagian Boys, right, which was like the first K-pop male group, the music was kind of, was it political in nature or? Um, it didn't, it wasn't always, um, but... Sotagian boys were kind of more political. They were a hip hop group in the 90s um, and they talked about like young people problems and things like that um, and brought that kind of realness and also hip hop music and style into the the musical focus of Korea. So K-pop has brought a lot of... They had something to say. They had something to say and that's also been a continuing theme since then. So the the 
it's I guess unlike Western pop music in that way, where um, I mean the Backstreet Boys and NSYNC and things weren't like speaking the truth mm. of like what it's like to be a teen. They were kind of giving you the bubblegum version yeah. of it. Whereas in, in it seems like the K-pop bands are like the punk bands almost of Korea, where like they're telling you how it is. Sometimes they can bring a touch of like uh, social commentary to it, which I think now American pop has come around to do that too because I know Demi Lovato has mm. made some very and Miley Cyrus as well have made some really personal um, bops but that also address societal problems or personal problems and struggles so I think we caught up to them sort of in that regard with pop music yeah if you think about it right Backstreet Boys were uh, they wanted you to quit playing games with their heart mm-hmm. NSYNC said that you, we were tearing up their hearts um Britney Spears wanted to get hit baby one more time. I mean, this wasn't social commentary that we're talking about. <laughs> but, you know, I think that that message of the social commentary still exists in K-pop. But I also think there are just bops for bops oh, sake. Sure. You know, especially when we're getting into like heavy choreography, you know, we're looking for that point dance that we can really all dance along to. Mm-hmm. So on that point, how did you get into K-pop? It, it seems like it's very much tied in with like, the internet like this couldn't have become a phenomenon without the internet absolutely yeah for me it definitely was the internet before i became a librarian i worked at a celebrity news magazine and so i was always online looking for stories and things like that and just one day my youtube algorithm said you know what you would like you would like this artist called lee hyori and she has a song called you go girl and the internet was right the algorithm worked in that sense and that was in 2008 And so I didn't get heavy into it, but I was kind of like, oh, I think I really like this music. Um, So if it would ever show up again, I would listen to it. Then later on, I got into a group called 21. They were a super popular all-girl group. Um, And then it kind of just went from there. Then a few years went on, and more recently, I would say in 2018 was when I really, really started paying attention and having a favorite group and waiting for the releases. So it's been kind of like 15 years in the making for me, um, kind of on and off. One of the more fun things was, was that that artist, Lee Hyori, I discovered had a Netflix reality show, which was really exciting, where her and her husband were running a betting breakfast. So that was like, oh, this kind of relic of my K-pop past is now in the present. And that was really cool for me to see. So kind of diving into that world and discovering these artists, it was cool to see other projects that they were working on. But now working with Tori every day, it's just constantly being like, did you hear the new song? Did you see the new video? Did you see the dance practice? What about that fan cam? I'm keeping him accountable, K-pop accountable. Absolutely. And she's like, coming in, she's like, so did you watch it? I'm like, I didn't watch it yet. She's like, how could you even call yourself a fan? You should be ashamed of yourself. (laughs) What about you, Tori? Was it around 2008 for you? Um, Well, incidentally, I was aware of the same song at the same time as him because YouTube suggested it to me and it's an excellent song. Um, so Google's to blame. YouTube's to blame. Mm-hmm. The early days of YouTube brought How us into know? this. How, How did know? it know? It just targeted us. But I was aware of it before that because a lot in the early 2000s, a lot of uh, K-pop artists were also doing anime theme songs. Um, so like Boa, who um, is a soloist who debuted in the year 2000 when she was 13 years old, she had a uh, theme song for the show Inuyasha. So I knew her song before I knew what K-pop was. There was a group named Super Junior. Well, there still is, but um, they were very popular with uh, their Japanese versions of their songs. So being a fan of anime when I was a kid, I was tangentially aware of K-pop. 
um, and throughout the the decades, I came across other songs, but I really heavily got into it uh, in 2016 um, due to some Google searching that I was doing. I found this show that streamed on YouTube called After School Club, and it was an English language show that was filmed in Korea, and they would have popular groups on the show and interview them uh, in English. And so I started watching that every week live, and there would be new groups debuting. This was when Blackpink debuted back in 2016. So I started getting into it from that, and one episode that fall uh, featured a group called Monsta X, who is my number one group. And I watched it, and I thought they were so cool, and I went on YouTube to look them up, and they were formed in a reality show. Uh, and we all know I love reality shows. Uh, so I watched... Worlds colliding here. Yes. <laughs> Blame reality TV for this. Um, but I watched that show. It was called No Mercy. Um, and then I never looked back, and here we are. All right. So I have a tangential question to this. So Monster X is your band, right? Yep. My bias group. Your bias group. Okay. Yeah. We're going to do a whole section on terminology in a little <laughs> bit. So... I think K-pop is still like a hard thing to nail down for people who are like outside of the uh, the know. Sure. So, is this? Do you like a band or do you follow like a particular person in the band? Like, no, it's the both. whole band. Both. Oh, both. Okay. Both. Yeah. Both. Neither. All. Um, <laughs> a lot of people. The the interesting thing about K-pop culture is how different it is in the U.S. slash, you know, internationally versus in Korea Mm -hmm. because of the proximity to the groups. So a lot of people will have a favorite group. Um, A lot of people are what we would call multi-stands who like multiple groups. Um, And frequently people will have a single member within the group that they prefer compared to the other members. Um, But some people just like all groups. It, It depends on the person. Okay, so it's not like an East Coast, West Coast thing in Korea where like you can only like this In Korea, yes, in. yes. Okay. In Korea, usually, because uh, there's so many events and ways that you can interact with them directly in Korea, so they really, people will focus on one group because it takes a lot of time, energy, and money to go to all their stuff, buy all their things, and support them in person like that. And sometimes there will be drama if people see you at another group's show, like... They're so passionate about it there because of the proximity. But here in the rest of the world, we don't have that proximity. And it's sort of, I don't want to say it's like a, you'll take what you can get type of thing. But, you know, you can't invest that kind of time in one group. So why not like a lot of groups? Right. And I think as an example of that, you know, we have folks coming here and doing concerts more often, these, the K-pop idols. And it's very exciting. So like when one of them is coming around, it's like, oh, I'll go to that because they're rarely here doing things. It's happening more and more, but it's more exciting. So it's when there is more of an accessible moment for us, it's like, okay, I'll go, I'll go to it no matter the group or who it is. And a follow up. So you mentioned anime a minute ago. I'm sorry. I'm all over the place. No. Um, so I know anime, if you're into anime, you are probably really into anime and it kind of forms like a lifestyle sort of choice for you. Is K- would you say K-pop sort of the same way? Like if you're, you, there's no like dipping your toe in K-pop. It's like once you're in, like this is you're a K-pop person. Like has this trumped your other music genres that you oh, listen absolutely. to? Absolutely. I think I have to every once in a while I say, what is happening in American music right now? <laughs> like I I I am so deep in because also part of K-pop is that we're here in America, albums come out 
every two or three years, right? We're waiting, like we're like, oh my gosh, you know, especially, I always use Adele as an example because she literally numbers it by age, you know, 19, 21, 25, whatever. So like that's how many years have passed. With K-pop, they can release two, three EPs a year. So you're always getting a new single multiple times a year. So you don't have to like wait and fall off. It's always there for you. So you're always being replenished. There's always something new to listen to. Are they, do you think it's because they're like striking when the iron's hot? Like they're like, okay, this group's hot right now. Let's put all of our resources into this group. Or do you think, like, are these bands like coming and going every couple of years or are they around for the long haul? So groups will, groups can stay around for a long time. They don't necessarily, because I've, I've seen it said before, um, hundreds of groups will, will debut per year and so few of them actually make it and continue. But the ones that do, like, uh, I've been a fan of Monster X since 2016 they formed in 2014 2015 so they're still going i think there's something to be said for like they're very much trying to keep your attention like Mm -hmm. we need to keep releasing things so that we stay in the front of your mind and um so that you're constantly paying attention to us and there's nothing wrong with that because i i enjoy doing that but um I just think that's the the way that they have decided it works best there. Like, if people are willing to support them multiple times a year, why not release multiple albums? Also, they're not necessarily the ones writing the music themselves, so they have access to more resources to allow them to have that high yeah. volume of that's, activity. I was hesitant to even bring that up. Like, does it bother you at all that it's more than just a band? Like, it seems like it's an industry you're following. It's not, like... I like Monster X, but like, is, does it bother you at all that it's like a corporation more than like five people that are putting out art? I'll say that it doesn't bother me that it feels like a corporation. What every once in a while, I'll take a step back from it and go, they must be so tired. They must, because you're not just releasing your album. You are releasing your single and then you're performing it and the heavy choreography probably what 10 times within one week maybe even more because you're doing award shows you're doing talk shows you're doing all of your youtube video content that you have to get out there i'm like and then you have to go live at night and talk to strangers while you're eating dinner so i do feel for them in that sense because not to me do i see them as a product but i think from their labels they're seen as their product and this is what you're agreeing to by being an idol so that always gives me a little bit of pause, personally. I think for me, uh, I don't mind it because I view it as um, more of a project or a collaboration. Like, yes, I'm interested in these five to seven to nine to 23 people working <laughs> on this music that I listen to. But I'm not, I don't like them because I think they wrote the songs. I like them mm-hmm. because they're talented performers. Mm-hmm. I like them because I can tell they work hard at what they do. I can like them because of their personalities. And so just because they're not the ones writing the music, styling themselves, which, you know, no, no pop idols are sty- styling themselves, not even here. Um, I, yeah. I appreciate the work that goes into the whole package, the image, all of it. And also because I personally listen to a lot of different groups. Um, there's, producers that all of the different k-pop companies will go to for all of the different groups and sometimes there will be a group that i don't listen to who has a song by a producer that i have liked in the past so then there's just more for me to like it's i like the groups but i also like this producer and follow them so i think it's a good thing 
I think yeah. it's I think it's part of. I it. don't want to make it sound like I'm attacking K-pop because the Western pop's the same way. I mean, all of the stars over here they're not writing their own music either for the most part mm-hmm. by and large it's sony and columbia records and whoever they're churning out the the songs too so i would also say one benefit of following older groups or groups that have been working for longer is that if they're able to st- sustain their popularity sometimes they get to be involved in the creative process and write some songs or be in charge of the vision of what they're releasing like BTS is known to write a lot of their own music at this point, not all of it, but they're heavily involved in their own image, and that's uh, sort of a a treat that you get for following a group for a long time. So you mentioned BTS, the only band I'd heard of up (laughs) until we started recording today. So do you think BTS kind of started this craze, or was it Gundam style before that? Or like, when did this, like, when did you notice, like, it click with American or Western audiences? Like, when did this craze start? It seemed like it just happened overnight as somebody who was not tapped into pop music. I mean, personally, I think something like Gundam style was a bit of um, a fluke. Just not even necessarily a fluke. It was just came out of nowhere. And it was this like one, it was like a flash in the pan. It was like this Korean artist, Sai, he, and everybody loves the song and they're dancing to it. And then I felt like it got a little quiet after that, right? But then BTS personally is what made it feel like it was gaining ground worldwide. BTS really did come out and they were the ones, like the first ones appearing on major late night programs here in the United States and doing interviews and selling merch and selling out at concerts. So personally to me, I think BTS really were at the forefront of making it what it is now. There is on online K-pop spaces, a longtime argument between uh, BTS fans and everyone else about um, who paved the way. And, uh, you know, a lot of BTS fans who they're constantly getting new fans because they're so big. They say BTS paved the way for everyone else to be coming here and doing this right now. But there was so much other work by other groups and other companies and stuff that laid the groundwork for them. Um, In 2009, um, the Wonder Girls, who were a group from one of the most popular companies. Uh, they had a song that charted called Nobody, and they did an English version, which was uncommon at the time. And it was a hit. People, like, my mom knows that song. Sai had Gangnam Style. There was a lot of laying the groundwork that maybe not a lot of Americans or Western people are aware of, but there were little things here and there that allowed BTS to be able to come here and blow that up bigger. Yeah. So post-BTS kind of opened everyone's eyes to other bands and then then it kind of just has taken off from there but it seems like bts is still the number one band right now probably in the world i guess you could say that yeah Yeah. i think so i mean they're going through some things right now right so there's a law in korea that men have to serve time in In the the military so they're sort of taking a break as a group but some of them are releasing solo projects before they go into the military Right now, um, Jungkook has a song called Seven, um, and V has Love Me Again, which are doing really well and people are really liking. Um, I will say that there's a very explicit version of Seven by Jungkook. So, you know, watch who you're listening to it around. There's also a clean version, which is the one that I enjoy. Um, but, you know, so they're, I feel like as a group, they're not touring or anything right now, but they're still as individuals in the market. I didn't realize they were really so well. that young. They're all going, joining the military now, or some so, of them are? 
K-pop idols actually always defer. They're, you're, you know, you're eligible to go, I think, when you're 18, and most people will go earlier so they can come back and, like, go to college mm-hmm. and start your career. But idols will push it until as late as possible, um, which is, I think, around 30. So they're all in their late mid to late 20s. Jungkook okay. is the youngest, and he's, I think, 27. Mm-hmm. Um, but usually people do not go that young if they're involved in K-pop because you want to become established before you do that so that when you leave for two years and come back, you still have a fan base to support you. Yeah, there's a uh, there's a group called Akmu. It's a brother-sister team. And they had to take a break because the brother had to go do his military service. And so he disappeared for a few years and then they came back. And they actually just released a single called Lovely, uh, which is really fun. But they had to do that break. It was the law. Akmu also planned to head for that really well because um, the brother who went to the military writes all of their songs. So he wrote music for his sister to release while he was in the military. So she did solo work to keep them in the public consciousness. They're very popular in Korea. A lot of international fans don't know them that well, but they were able to keep their success going while he was doing that. They have a song called Dinosaur. They say dinosaur a lot. It's fantastic. I highly recommend it. <laughs> so this is another question I had for you. So K-pop music, I would imagine, is primarily in Korean, or but I know they have translated. Do they translate entire songs, or is it just kind of like a mi- mishmash now? Like, is it Korean English most of the songs, or I'd say it's a big mishmash now. Mm. You could get both or a mixture of both. Um, over the past, like I don't know, eight years or so, it's become really popular for people to release songs in Korean and in English, like a, an English version. Um, but a lot of times there's a sprinklings of English in the songs. Yeah, there's a there's a group right now that I really like who I know are going through something that's called 5050. Uh, and it's a group of four women and they released a song called Cupid, which was mostly Korean, which had a little bit of English in it, but they made it a completely English version and it actually ended up charting on the Billboard uh, 100. So it was interesting that they already had this song, but then they re-recorded it fully in English and then it ended up doing really well here. So is it the bands that are... Um, having their songs translated or doing English versions that are the most popular ones in the West, you would say? Not necessarily. No, I don't. I, yeah, I think it just sometimes it works. And it's also really interesting, you know, not to get too deep into it, but a lot of groups will also release fully Japanese language albums for okay. Japan. So it's kind of, it's, I, you know, I don't know what makes them make these decisions, but it's kind of like, what can gain them more popularity if doing it in another language is that, then they'll do it. Yeah. So, kind of related to that, I know K-pop is a thing. Is J-pop a thing? Is C-pop a thing? Like, are is V-pop a thing? Like, where uh, is K-pop just a blanket of all of uh, Eastern Asia, or is are there like Japanese pop bands that is like a separate fandom, or is it kind of all just lumped together now? They definitely are separate, um, and frequently have nothing to do with each other like the japanese music industry is famously very insular um but and the way that they do their j-pop they have an idol system as well but it's very specific to them uh, and different from k-pop but there's a lot of crossover there's a lot of um japanese and chinese performers and k-pop groups and they will go back to their home countries and become very successful there um like uh jackson wang from Got Seven, a great boy group. Um, he now is a solo artist who's really successful in China. Lei, who was in the group EXO, he has a whole studio to himself in China. So there is separate C-pop, separate J-pop, 
but there's a lot of crossover. Yeah, there's a lot of crossover. The group that I was thinking of, there's an all-female group right now called XG, and all of their members are Japanese. All their songs are in English, but they're very popular in Korea. So I don't know. There's no there's no equation that's like this is what it, it's like. It just works. Yeah. Because they're just styled so perfectly. What a wonderful world we live in. It surely is. It surely is. And I think part of it, you know, is seeing... I I think there's like allegiance to, oh, this person's from where I'm from. So I'm like, so take the group Blackpink. There's a Korean member. Well, well, you know, one of them is from Australia, right? Rosé's from Australia. Lisa's from Thailand. And so... Lisa has such a huge Thai following because they can look at this mega worldwide group and say, this person's from where I'm from. That's amazing. I love them. You know, so these companies, they go over, they do these open casting calls in other countries, and that helps them gain a following in those countries. Are there any Americans that are in the K-pop scene? There are many Americans. Frequently, they are, like, if you are from America, they're like the most popular member of the group to you. Like a good example for me, um, I'm, a group fa- I'm a fan of a group called NCT 127. Uh, the NCT group has 23, 22 now, I think, members. Um, but Just a few. <laughs> just a few. But this particular subgroup has nine members. And my favorite member is named Johnny. He's from the U.S. He speaks English and he is a big, what they would call like a stan attractor because people will they can understand what he's saying. He makes videos in English for the fans. He will speak in English at the concerts when they come here. Um, him and his his buddy, Mark Lee, who's from Canada. So having international members of a group or like um, people from different countries will help the popularity so much because they will people will flock to that member, like you said, because they are like, oh, he's like me. She's like me. I can understand him. I'm not surprised at all by that. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't have, in a few years, every K-pop band will have an American, a Chinese member. Oh, they you know, all do. A German member. Yeah. You know, there is a German oh. member of a group too <laughs> in NCT. <laughs> and I was just thinking. So JYP, uh, JYP is one of the major, major K-pop companies, and it's actually the man that runs it is named JYP. So he he tends to not tends to he does a lot of reality shows that pick groups, and more recently he's doing one on YouTube, which is solely putting together an American K-pop group. Interesting. Yeah. So he And how did your audition go? <laughs> well, apparently I was too male and I'm also too old. So and too bald. What a bummer. <laughs> There's a demographic for I that. nailed the choreo though, let me tell you that. <laughs> I was like, I'm flying to California. I'm doing it. <laughs> Alright, in the interest of keeping this episode under an hour, I know you both have songs you want to play, and I'm sure if any of our listeners have stuck around through this at this point, they're probably dying to hear some K pop instead of me ask questions about it so do any of you want to play some songs well we've prepared for you a curated playlist derek and tori's top 10 yes which was a a, a labor of love for this it was podcast. an arduous task yes. that we made it through to pick five songs each out of a catalog of thousands was intense mm-hmm. well i'm sorry to put you through that that's okay. but we I survived appreciate the... we're stronger for it <laughs> So let's go to a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to play uh, some of Tori and Derek's favorite tracks. Well, welcome back to Between the Shelves, the premier Sable Library podcast. Uh, Derek and I are now going to share our top 10 K-pop jams, I think. Jams, for sure. And I, I want everyone to know that we really, really, it took a lot of effort 
to do this in the best way possible. And please let us know what your top 10 are. Yeah, as if you well. listen to K-pop, go on, go on the Save a Library Instagram and let us know. I mean, like, I'm like wondering, I don't think we have any BTS on our list. No, but they were close for me. Yeah. Well, we're going to have to do a K-pop episode two. Yeah. At some point. Okay. Part two, The Reckoning. <laughs> Where we get into hard vocabulary mm-hmm. and everything. Yeah, we're not, we're not going to we, hit that in this episode. We tell you how every group started. <laughs> and we rank them from 1,000 to 1. A tier list episode? Another mm-hmm. one? Okay. Um, so, Derek, do you want to start with your, your number five? Yes. Yeah, so, my number five comes from a group called ITZY. It is made of five members. And the song that I have chosen came out in 2020, and it's called Not Shy. Should we hit him with a little Let's hit it. So yeah, this song is just so much fun. The choreo to it hits so, so hard. Um, There's actually a dance practice video that I'm obsessed with um, where you could just, they're just killing it. You can tell that they've totally and completely just gotten to the level that they needed to. Um, They're just a great group. They're made up of really strong dancers, really strong voices, really great rap artists. Um, I just love this song. This is my number five. I like so many of Itzy's songs. Um, I didn't put any in my top because I was like, none of them are my favorite, but I'm always really happy to hear a song by them come on. We tried to go to a concert by them. We could not get tickets. Do you remember this? Yes, we were so bummed. It was at Madison Square Garden. It was just like riding the LIRR right to a concert. We couldn't get any tickets. But they always um, bring a lot of energy to their music and the dances are always so fun to try to... They have good, what are called point dances, which are movements that they put in the dance for fans to be able to easily replicate and make it memorable and they have great point dances so that is not shy by itzy all right what do we got next tori so my number five is i feel like it's like sacrilegious to put a a song by my favorite group at number five um (laughs) but i did it um it's a song called hero by monsta x which we'll listen to a little bit so one of my favorite things about Monsta X, there's a, a few groups that are known for being like more hip hop oriented, and they're one of those groups you can tell from the way the song's uh, going with the rap at the beginning and the beat. Um, and one of the main things that I look for in a good K-pop song is a good beat. I don't care so much about the words or anything like that. And this song's beat and melody are so memorable and well known. It's become sort of like their theme song. Uh, they were on the show, the cartoon show We Bear Bears on Cartoon Network a few years ago, and they used this song constantly in that um, show. But um, it's got a really beautiful music video where they're dancing on top of a building. Mm-hmm. It's got strong choreo. It features one of my favorite members who's no longer in the group, Wanho. So it's got everything I like about a K-pop song in it. I was, so I personally had never 
I really didn't know Monster X before I met Tori. And so when Tori first started, when we first started working together, she's like, oh, my bias group is Monster X. We were like, oh, okay, put a, you know, put a little playlist for us, you know, together for us. And she sent this and I was not expecting this hard music. I was like, okay, Tori, I got your number now. And I think it's just like so fun. I mean, this this song in particular, that video is so phenomenal. I love it when they're on the rooftop. The edits that they do with their costumes and everything, it's just fantastic. It goes from day to night. There's drone shots. It's got it all. Drone shots, baby. Drone shots, can't beat baby. That. Hello. <laughs> Risking their lives on a roof for K-pop. Wano was terrified of heights. Did you know that? I know that. They filmed the video anyway. I'll tell you what, I couldn't tell by watching that video. There you go. So brave. We have to get a webcam for this podcast, so we, our <laughs> listeners need to see the dance routines that are happening in the studio. So that's my number five song, is Hero by Monsta X. Derek, right. what's your number four song? So my number four song, continuing with the boy band here, is a song, oh my god, I just realized how many bangs are in this. Mm -hmm. So the song is called Bang 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 <laughs> by the group Big Bang. So Big Bang's Bang Bang Bang. This came out in 2015. Let's, let's take a listen. So Big Bang is one of these groups that I, I almost feel like Big Bang could have been BTS. Big Bang was BTS before BTS. But like could have exploded the way BTS did. It's just something about the timing and some things that their members were going through at the time really uh, squashed that. But they have members that are still working today. Um, someone like G-Dragon, who was the lead of this group, he is a producer now. He is working with current artists. He made trends happen in K-pop as far as fashion and styling are concerned. And this song, to me, encapsulates Big Bang. It is high energy. It's a lot of fun. The point dance is out of control. This video is out of control. There's fire, there's tanks, there's metal. It's everything. So... I just, this song was one of the earlier songs that I really enjoyed, uh, and it's just made my top five just because there's nostalgia in it for me, and they are just sort of like, I don't know, I feel like they are a picture of what K-pop was at that point in time. And I would call this song a, a, a K-pop classic. Like, fans know this song, whether or not you're a fan of Big Bang, or, you know, because they're not currently active, a lot of younger fans aren't, but they probably know this song. Yeah, and once you get to the end of this song, it just kind of ends in the perfect way where you just want to be jumping around with a lot of people screaming bang, bang, bang. <laughs> yeah, I'm, getting, I'm finding a trend between these songs. This is not like, I can put this on when I'm studying or reading in the background. This is like espresso shot jumping up and down. I think this is a me and Derek thing because of our, our personal energies. A hundred percent. We went to a conference together in Lake George a couple of months ago and we had a full like four hour playlist and it was just nonstop car seat choreo. It was fantastic. I think Barney from How I Met Your Mother, there's an episode where they talk about like a perfect playlist is all up and there's no... There's no valleys. There's no like mm -hmm. relaxing songs. It's up, 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 up. It keeps going up in energy. And that is the kind of music we both like. The member I mentioned before, G-Dragon, he and another member of this group, Top, have a song called Chudder, 
which um, one day I hope that Tori and I will live duet at a karaoke <laughs> bar because I really think we could hit it. I do know G-Dragon's rap from that song, so we're happy And there. I know the T.O.P. one. Hey! Yes. Stay tuned, listeners. <laughs> <laughs> so that is Bang Bang Bang. By Big Bang. My number four song is by a group from the same company as uh, Big Bang, and it's called As If It's Your Last. Um, I believe it came out in 2017. Um right after they uh, first came out as a group and were sort of becoming very popular. And I'm going to play a little bit of that. A little bit of this. A little bit of that. So this song, when it came out, it was the perfect mixture of the visuals of the music video, the choreography, and the catchy song. Um, my favorite member of Blackpink is Lisa, and Lisa has a really fun and kind of cringy English rap in it um, that she caught some flack for at the time. But like, if you're at a concert, you're going to scream it out because it's still really catchy. Um, and this is one of the few K-pop songs where I've tried to learn the choreography because I just was such a big fan of it. Um, and it's just Blackpink makes great songs for a party or, you know, being out with your friends. It makes you think of just fun times. And this is a song that is really representative of that to me. Yeah, I have to say, so Rosé from this group is my bias of Blackpink, but Lisa is my bias record. There's something about Lisa. She's so charming. She's so adorable. She just has a way of just like pulling you in. And it's so funny because when you see interviews of her and in their documentary that was on Netflix, she's so kind and sweet and chill. But when she raps, this whole other side of her comes out and it's super magnetic. And when she dances as well. Oh my gosh. She's so... This song Lisa. sounds like it would fit perfectly in an anime. So I'm starting to see that, what you mentioned earlier. Ooh, there's a, there's a group that makes songs that would be in animes. They might have even done one at this point um, that I wish I had included on this list, but there's just not enough room in a top five. Um, Save it. We limited ourselves. For episode two. Yeah. But that is uh, my number four, As If It's Your Last by Blackpink. Yeah. So my number three, um, I want to just apologize. I don't really have a potty mouth in real life, but this song has the B word in it um, probably 800 times. Uh, it's in the title. So my number three is a song called Hello by an artist called CM. All right, so CL is from a group called 21. It's made, it was made up of four members. And then once they stopped working together, one of their members didn't re-up their contract. They kind of went their separate ways. CL had a pretty successful uh, solo career. And Hello Bitches is one of those songs. I The video for this is insane. She has a whole group of all female dancers. It's all about, I don't know, just like powerful women dancing like badasses. 
the entire song is just this same kind of down hard beat and CL can just, I don't know, there's something about CL that she just manages to capture your attention the second she's on the screen. She's really magnetic as a performer and uh, a, this is a great um, entry song for people who like want to get into K-pop but aren't sure how because it's mostly in English. There's yeah. there's little sprinkles of Korean. CL does a lot of songs in English because she speaks English. Um, so it's a great uh, gateway into K-pop. Plus, it's just an amazing song. Yeah, and they had an interesting... 21 had a little bit of an interesting journey here in the U.S. because on the show So You Think You Can Dance, their song I Am The Best was used in one of their routines that went viral. Um, it was choreographed by Mark Kanamura, who's sort of an internet personality right now. Uh, he wrote a children's book also. Um, and so that kind of helped launch them a little bit into American popularity as well. Nega Che Chalaga. Mm-hmm. You could have told me this was a, an American top 10 hit right now, and I would have, would have believed you. So something that I didn't realize when we put together our lists and looking at the last, I think, three songs that we talked about, it's all uh, groups from the same company that are known for a very modern Western sound. Um, they're all from a company called YG Entertainment. Um, Blackpink, Big Bang, and 21 are all originally from that company. So uh, those are all usually very, like, Modern hip-hop Western songs. So also a good gateway. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. All right, what do we got next? So my number three uh, is a song from... This also might uh, be from around 2017. I should have looked it up. But um, it's called Shine. It's by a group named Pentagon. Um, And this is one of the earliest groups that I listened to when I was watching um, After School Club on YouTube. um, And started following them from debut, which I... This is the first time I had been able to follow a group from debut, so we can listen to a little bit of that. was not like a big popular group at the time um but this song blew up when it came out in a way like i have rarely seen a song blow up sort of like um 5050s cupid um where people who were not into the group knew the song it was just it was like a song of the summer um and i went to kcon i think it was 2019 uh kcon is a a big concert where a lot of groups will come here and perform together like over a weekend um and the crowd when this song played was amazing everyone knew the words everyone knew the dance everyone knew like the things you call back during different parts of the song so it just it's such a fun summary upbeat song and it brings back nostalgia for me from from then and the the energy at the concert which was one of the first big k-pop concerts i went to so I, it just is a, a, a beautiful, nostalgic song for me. I love when groups kind of have that summer feeling of the song, you know, in June and July when you just want to be chilling on the beach. Maybe these are the songs that you can listen to while just doing some reading or doing some work or, or whatever. But I love that feeling of just being like relaxed a little bit because the songs do go so hard so often that when a group comes out with a song like this, you're like, ah, it's a breath of fresh air. 
especially Pentagon had like harder sort of hip hop oriented songs. So when this really poppy song came out, it was like um, not necessarily what they had been doing or what they did afterwards. Uh, it was just a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. All right, should we get into our, our top twos? Top two. So my number two is a song called Hot by a group called Seventeen. Seventeen has 13 members. <laughs> just need to put that out there. <laughs> so let's play the song. I had to get to the uh, the eights little beatboxing thing. Yeah, that he does there. So this song, I mean. The title I think says it all. It's just hot. It's just these guys dancing their buns off. There's a lot of body rolls happening in this. It's like one of those songs that you just put on and you feel the vibe immediately. Once hot comes on, I feel hot. Yeah. Right? It's hot in here right now. It's hot here right now, and I think it's because of this song. <laughs> so it's happening. 17, stop making it so hot in here. Stop it, just stop it. So th <laughs> this song, again, I just think has that beat to get into. Um, they each have these standout moments during the entire song, uh, and it's just tons and tons of fun. 17 is, I keep saying things are great like gateways to K-pop. 17 is a great gateway to K-pop because they do songs in like all different genres. Um, they have a member of their group who helps write and produce all of their song, My Bias, Uzi. And the Little Angel? The Little Angel, he's very short. Um, but the group uh, came here to do a concert and a friend of mine and I went to the concert not being like active 17 fans and had the time of our lives and became 17 fans because they just, the energy, they have, they're separated into three different units. I think it's three, performance, um, vocal, and maybe another one that I forget. But they all are perfectionists at each part of being a K-pop group, but also know how to have a lot of fun. 17, man. 17. Their EP that just came out, FML, is one of the my favorite EPs that have come out in a really long time by any group. Um, personally, when an EP comes out, you know, there's some hit or miss songs on there, but every one of these songs I absolutely love. No so, skips. No skips on FML. All right, what do we got next? So next, uh, my number two is a song called uh, Dum Dum by Red Velvet. Uh, I knew I wanted to include a song by Red Velvet because they're one of my favorite girl groups. Um, but I, I couldn't decide because all of their um, title tracks, which is what singles are called in K-pop, um, are really good in a different way. But Dum Dum is also very nostalgic. It's an earlier song from them. Let's listen to a little bit of it. So, Red Velvet, this song, they went, they they ate on this song. Um, it <laughs> they is, left no crumbs. They left not a single crumb. Uh, it's just such a good vibe. 
the dance to this is really iconic and there's a it's just such an irreverent song like they're just having fun there's a rap at the end of the song uh where the whole rap is references to michael jackson songs like they just you need to beat it that boy michael jackson bad and it's just why is that in the song I don't know, but it's fun. Why not? Yeah. So it's just, <laughs> they had so much fun doing this song, and it's so much fun to listen to it. So I, I picked it as my favorite Red Velvet song, but you could put any Red Velvet song in this Yeah, I, I really, I enjoy um, Red Velvet, and I also love that they're not afraid to get a little dark Red Velvet. Oh, they yeah. have a song called Russian Roulette, which is really funny. It's about, you know, falling in love, but in the video, they're just trying to off each other the entire time. So they have a little bit of an edge to them, too. They also have a music video where they um, terrorize a pizza delivery boy in a haunted him. house. I think they killed him. I think him. they did kill him. Yeah. But they were having fun while they were doing it. And they got some pizza. They got some pizza. Delicious. Uh, so that is my number two song. All right, let's finish this out. So my number one song is by my favorite group. It is a song called Fancy by the group Twice. This came out in 2019. And this song... I just completely fell in love with them. It is just my f one of my favorite eras of Twice. Let's let's hit it. Derek does know the choreo to this song. Hit it twice. Okay. <laughs> what is a group if they're not saying their own name in the song? I mean, got it. Hilarious. So the again, the choreography for this is just so incredible. The point dances, everything. It's also just, I think it's since it's the first song that I truly fell in love with by Twice. I am just so nostalgic for all of their styling in this. It's the Cheong pink hair. It's the Momo long bang. It's the you know, Mina Ponytail. It's just so perfect. Fancy is just one of those songs that I feel like when people put it on, they're like, yes, it's Fancy by Twice. We did a presentation on K-pop at that conference I was talking about before, and we were just asking the group, we were like, what song by Twice should we put on? And this girl, this woman goes, come on, we all know we want to hear Fancy by Twice. And I was like, you're right. We all do want to hear that song. It's a crowd pleaser. I was, a, I was aware of Twice before this song came out, and you know, I would check out their music, but this song like exploded them, and they have not like gone down in popularity since. And I would say it's one of the top K-pop songs ever, honestly. Yeah, 100%. Listeners, I wish you could see what was going on in the studio. No guests have had more fun than these two <laughs> on, this, on this podcast. We gotta do a part two. We gotta. We have to, have, we have to learn some choreo and teach it. It's the only, only next step we could take. So my number one song, um, I have at the, when we've done presentations on K-pop and when I'm talking to people in general, there's a song that I've said for several years was my favorite K-pop song and what I thought was the best K-pop song of all time. And it is not my number one. <laughs> my number one is a different song. The, the lead into this was just a, a, the twists and turns. The twists and turns. You don't even no know what that other song is. is. No, <laughs> no one expects the Spanish Inquisition. So this song is by a uh, group called Shiny, which is a group that's near and dear to my heart. Um, not sure what to say about them. <laughs> well, they, they've had some strife, that group. They've gone through some tough times. They lost 
a member who passed away, um, but that has sort of brought their fans closer together and them as a group, I would say. But um, Shiny debuted, I think, in 2008. So they're uh, a veteran group at this point and have had so many hits. Let's just listen to a little bit. It's called View by Shiny. song because Alex was dancing along with us this yes, time. I noticed that yes, too. I this, noticed that this too. is truly the number one. Um, this song, you can't hate ever. It's just got such an infectious beat. Um, it's one of, I think it was the first actually song to be inspired by like the deep house genre. Um, the music video is impeccable. They're having a fun summer dance party. They're wearing crop shirts because why not? Um, Shiny has had so many hit songs in their career that Derek and I were talking a lot as we were preparing our lists, and I at one point had multiple Shiny songs in my top five, and I said, I can't do that. But this song had to be in there because it just, I feel like it is just the essence of what K-pop should be. It's fun. It's also summery. It brings you to a moment in time. The choreo. Taemin. It's got everything. Yeah, I feel like if you would have left it playing, we would have just kept dancing. It mm -hmm. would have just been a party in this little recording studio. It would have been fantastic. And it's, a, it's another K-pop classic, I would say. Deep in classics. Mm -hmm. We can't we can't help it. Yes. <laughs> it's happening. We found Alex's group. It is shiny. We did it, we found his bias. We found his bias. <laughs> That's probably my favorite of, of the ten, I would say. Yay, yeah, we did it! Alright. Okay, so now we have to be librarians of K-pop and we have to do some reader's advisory and ask him what he liked about the song and then mm -hmm. find more songs. We will curate Alex a personal yes. playlist. I guess I'm a deep house fan. Mm -hmm. I'm learning a lot about myself on this podcast. That one's going to be tough. That, hmm, maybe but let's, let's focus more on the feeling of the song, yes. right? Okay, we'll go with that. So in the next episode, yeah. we will have... I don't, I'm just listening curated. to it now. I'm just like toning you out. I'm like, stop talking. I'm trying to hear the song. I know, we're ruining it. We're ruining it. <laughs> All right, I think that's... We're over an hour at this point. So thank you both so much for uh, for introducing me to K-pop and uh, giving me a playlist to uh, to explore a little bit further. I guess I'm a... What is it? Shine or shiny? Shiny. Shiny. Shiny head. Yeah. What's, what's a shiny fan Shiny's fans are called Shawals, which stands for Shiny World. So yes. it, Alex is an official Shawal. Yay, we did it. We did it. Hooray. <laughs> We'll get you a t-shirt. <laughs> well, again, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. Derek, it was a pleasure. I hope you come back again. It doesn't have to be a K-pop episode. Maybe, I don't know if you have any other fandoms you're into, but uh, we can always explore that. I have plenty of things. Okay. <laughs> Do you like uh, cookies? <laughs> <laughs> that's going to be hard to translate to an audio medium, but we'll figure it out. Um, yeah, so thanks again. Do you want to plug uh, your podcast again? Yeah, sure. So out? please listen to my pie, my podcast, A Bite Of, wherever you listen to your podcasts. Uh, you can find us on Instagram, Facebook at A Bite Of Pod, or our website, abiteofpod.com. And we'll put a link to it in the show notes. Awesome. Thank you so much. Yeah, thanks you both for, uh, thank you both for coming. Thank you for having us. All right. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye. <laughs>
wasn't too much energy. <laughs>